Hey, it is L.A. Lloyd. It is our first show of 2022, and it's always a, a pleasure speaking with Jerry Cantrell. Great to have you back on the show, man. Uh, thanks for having me, man. While a lot of bands were kind of forced into recording and writing, if you will, simply because of the lockdown, you'd already got a little bit of a head start and had kind of got the foundation of the album Brighton started. So how much of that foundation did you have, and, and what did you have to do uh, once everybody kind of had to work in separate places to, uh, to build upon? what you already had yeah we were really lucky to have like a a good chunk of stuff uh already done so we went into we went into the lockdown uh uh with uh basic tracks pretty much done you know and uh we were in the studio in march and two different studios we did the drums over at uh at uh, igloo and burbank and uh uh did the guitars over at uh paul fig's place dave's room and uh and then, you know, we, we were starting, you know, uh, nervously watching the news every night. Like, oh, uh, I think we're going to have to shut down. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, so, like, so we were just cram, we were cramming. And, and, and uh, uh, thankfully, we got done basically what we planned on getting done right as it's like, okay, go retreat to your corners and wait for further word. You know? So, uh, for me, I still had all the vocals to sing and, you know, I still had some, some color guitar to do. And, and because the process was, was drawn out, I had some extra time on my hands and I had, uh, three really amazing musicians come into the, to join the already incredible musicians that I had, uh, had, had, uh, on the record, uh, you know, Abe Laboreal Jr., Vincent Jones and, and Duff McKagan came in late because, because we had the time and uh um you know uh greg Pichotto uh and gil sharon from uh dillinger uh you know gil played about half the record they played about the other half gil uh, uh greg greg did a great job with me singing backups and and kind of doing the co-pilot uh pilot co-pilot thing and uh uh you know, working with with Tyler and 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 Fig and Joe Breezy, it was just amazing. Did you have to send a lot of files once lockdown was coming on? And if so, have you done that in the past? And if not, was that a big challenge for you? I never have, and luckily we really didn't have to do that. Other than Abe, Abe was locked down in New York, so he 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 wasn't going anywhere. Right. So he did his tracks remotely uh, in L.A. And I think one song when he finally did get to to back back to la he cut one of the songs there too but everybody else was everybody else was in person and we just kept uh you know we just kept kept the conversation really good we were you know we were wearing the masks and and the purell was pumping (laughs) (laughs) clorox wipes and and we just were honest about you know if anybody thought they were feeling weird or anything or like i feel a little scratchy today it's probably just vocal so let's just call it off you know let's let's see how you're feeling for a couple of days so we just kept communication good and uh and mostly just worked one-on-one you know, so we, were, we kept our group small and our, our, our pods tight and luckily nobody got sick. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Gil and uh, A because, uh, you know, I wanted you to talk maybe a little bit about working with these guys who obviously have their own uh, unique style. And, you know, how did you uh, go about finding the right songs that work with their style to make it work for your album? Well, I started the songwriting process first. Right. And then as, as that started to kind of take shape. Uh, I started thinking about, uh, you know, uh, between, uh, 
between Tyler uh, and Fig and myself and also Joe, Joe Barisi, the four of us started thinking about players, you know, as we were looking at the, looking at the material, you know, I, I go through a demo process where I'll demo everything out, use a drum machine and play the bass myself and just get like a sketch of a song. Right. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty good. Let's develop that. You know, and uh, once you've get a good, got a good grip of those, uh, you go into the studio. So uh, I thought a good way to maybe test some of that stuff, uh, uh, maybe not test that material, but just test out playing with some, uh, some, some of these people that I ended up recording with was we did a couple of shows mm, and, uh, booked, that's cool. we booked, uh, booked two shows in LA, uh, in December of 19 and, uh, and, uh, uh, with like, I think we had like seven or eight musicians. So Greg was there and Tyler and, uh, James Lomenzo, Mike, Ro- Michael Roson, Jordan Lewis, uh, Gil Sharon. Uh, so a good, good chunk of the folks that appear on the record or help me get the record going were on that stage with me. That's pretty cool. I saw this one interview where you said, I think a lot of my music is thematically the struggle between light and dark and the necessity of both to make it work. So uh, I guess an inclination with the album titled Brighton that uh, this was a little bit more of an optimistic or at least a little bit leaning into the light a little bit more than the dark. Am I right on this? It's a really open sounding record. And, uh, uh, you know, I thought that song was really powerful. It just seemed to be a really good title for the record. And it's really unusual. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, like, uh, it's very rare uh, to have the title early, that early in the process. For me, it, uh, in analysis, it's always the last thing. We're like, we're like last day in the studio and we're still all running around trying to write. You know, we've got, we've got two big poster boards on the wall. We've put it like 200 joke names of what we're going to call <laughs> I called the record on the wall, trying to find something that sticks. It's usually the last thing, but, but I knew what this music was and Tyler and Tyler agreed with me. uh, You know, when I, when I showed him the lyrics to bright and he's like, that's your title right there, dude. You know, that, 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 that seems to make sense. And that's the right word for this record. You know, as a songwriter, you like uh, things as as you put it, not so clear, not so spelled out, if you will. And it seems uh, that kind of inspires you by having that ambiguity and and just leaving it up to the listeners feelings of how they interpret the song. Is this uh, the way that you've just always written since the beginning or something you kind of progressed into as your career move forward? I think it's a style that I've been cultivating for a while. And, you know, it's all super personal to me, you know what I mean? And that's, and that's, it has to be that way for it to be real and for that emotion to be able to transfer. The trick is trying to do it in a way where it's just like, okay, and this happened and this happened and A and B and C and that's it, you know, <laughs> like, like for it to be clinical, it should be more of a, more of a trippy journey. And there should be some things that are, that you could take a multitude of ways. And it should be something that you can make a connection to uh, on your own and, and, and make up your own story. If you're putting your, if you're putting the personal connection and using a personal experience uh, uh, to, to, to inject into a song, you can bet that's probably going to translate to somebody else. Uh, even if you, even if you do intend it a certain way, uh, it's, it's funny because people will take it different ways and, and it kind of does that itself. It's just like a natural, natural process that occurs, you know? I mean, there, there's, there's some that are, you know, that I can spell out for you, you know, that the, uh, in a very, very uh, few words, you know, rooster being one of them, that's right. pretty easy to explain. That's yeah. me trying to put myself in my dad's shoes and his experience of Vietnam. There's a few songs that, that I can, that are that clear. 
others are a little bit deeper and murkier and and i like that you know yeah uh, uh, I, I i guess it's a that that's that's about as much as i want to reveal or open myself up to you and if you can't get what i'm trying to say then that's, then that that then that's fine. Right. That's fine. The best form I can put it in is in that song. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, I just feel like a fumbling stutter, you know? yeah. <laughs> so, like trying to explain it. You know. Well, that kind of leads me into my next question because, like you said, you may have had an idea that you were working on, but just didn't work. Maybe the riff wasn't right, and maybe the lyrics didn't fit with the riffs. Do you go back uh, a lot of times just to pull some of that uh, those old ideas out? And and if so, did you even do it on the new album? I always do. I always do through every, uh, you know, I, I'm always collecting ideas and, uh, or I'll write, write ideas down or lyrics that come to me or, or, or I will hum a vocal line, you know, like I'll, it's, it, it, uh, this happens to me a lot. Like I'll be watching TV or I'll be playing a game or, or, or some other ambient noise will be happening in the background. And I know what it is. Like it's a recognizable thing, but for some reason, because of the spatial, the spatial distance to where I am, I'm hearing a different melody or a different beat that comes down and those happen and I'll just, I'll hear them and I'll record them, you know, mm-hmm. or if I'm strumming a guitar, I'll stumble across a riff. I'm like, Hey, that's pretty cool. I'll just, I, I do I just, I'm a cataloger. It's part of, part of my process and I've been doing it for years. So I have thousands, thousands of ideas of just little sniglets, like a little riff, a little hum, a little this. And some of them, some of them are a little bit more fleshed out than that. And, uh, a tone is, uh, it comes from, comes from the banks of, of ideas I've been storing for a while. And, uh, but, but a good chunk of that song never existed in the way that it did until, uh, until this year or last year. What did you use to save this stuff before uh, we had the luxury of, uh, iPhones where you can pretty much record anything? How did you save this stuff? Say, 1992 when you where, do, where, where did you put those ideas in or even earlier in the late 80s when yeah. i used to i used to have one of those little uh those little uh handheld recorders okay. like recorders used and stuff yeah. and just kind of talk into them right you know? and right. uh so i would i would use those and uh i used to have a uh, task cam four track a little little analog four track yeah and i would uh I would demo songs on that with a little, little doctor rhythm drum machine that had maybe maybe like six beats and it just sounded totally computerized, but it was, it's enough to, enough to sketch something up. Right. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Duff McKagan. I mean, I've had him on the Rock 30 a couple times. Every time we've sat down here in Austin, uh, he, he's just always a laid back, down to earth guy. And I, I have a feeling when you are collaborating with him or working in the studio, that same personality is coming out. Whether you're having a conversation or working on music, am I right? Yeah, he's you know, I mean, authentic. Authentic is a good word to describe Duff, and I love people who are unapologetically themselves, you know, warts and all, and uh, uh, and comfortable in their own skin, and and uh, that that's earned through the process of uh, of, of of becoming yourself and a lot of years spent uh, trying to become good at your craft. Yeah. And he's very good at it. Um, I wanted to talk about the final track on Brighton, which is a cover of Elton John's Goodbye. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about his influence and why you actually chose this one to, to close out the album. He actually was a part of uh, a really important record for us. Uh, we welcomed uh, William into the band and, and uh, decided we wanted to continue creating music. And we, we made a record called Black Is Way to Blue. Yeah. There's a song on there that, that of the same title that closes the record. And, and uh, you know, it's a very emotionally potent song and it's only about two minutes long. And, and, and 
I had demoed it with piano and uh, was thinking who would be cool to play on it. And uh, one, um, our, our buddy, uh, Todd Shuss, who's been with us from the beginning, he's like, call Elton. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I think I'm sure he's probably got better things to do than play some piano on a, on one of our tunes. He's like, Hey man, you never know unless you ask. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. So I reached out and uh and he played on that song and that meant the world to us because we were all huge fans of elton john yeah. and uh he's one of the artists that that uh inspired me to to uh, actually contemplate the idea of like i'd like to do that I, wow. I think i could do that you know that 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 would be cool to do and uh so to have him be part of that uh uh was was really meaningful and on this particular song it's a song that's always spoke to me and and i I, I didn't have any uh, intention, you know, of of writing "Black Gives Way to Blue" in the template of a song like "Goodbye." But if you think about it, uh, it's "Goodbye" is a song that's that's very. I, I think there's some connection there, you oh, know, yeah. and uh, it's a song that's always spoke to me. It's very, it's only two minutes, and it's just chock full of emotion, and it closes a record. And and uh, uh, you know, I I, I, uh, I covered it live uh, both nights that we did those shows that I mentioned and, uh, and it was really powerful. So it seemed to fit the body of work. And I did a demo of it that, uh, that I really liked. And, uh, I reached out to Elton just, to just, to have him listen to it. I'm like, I, I covered one of your tunes, dude. And I just wanted to make sure, sure you're cool. Cause I'd love to put it on my record. And he's like, absolutely. You, you have my permission. It's uh it's in a beautiful version. That's you know? great, man. So it's cool. As far as the single goes, when was this one actually recorded, uh, you know, amongst all the songs there? And is there a big decision process that goes into, you know, what songs are going to be singles? Or is that more something you just kind of, you know, leave to the managers and the record folks? And or do you have a lot of input on that yourself? No, no. When it comes to music, nobody makes those decisions except for us Good you know, or, or myself. So, uh, yeah, you know, you know, the tunes, you know, uh, you know, the tunes that you think uh uh, are the most impactful or the ones let's say this that that speak to you the most now you may not be right all the time about what what relates to people you know it's I, i've been surprised on every tour we've done where where you you pick out the three or four or five songs that you think are the impact tracks and and you want to do videos for and single pushes and stuff like that and and people will relate to something you didn't even expect like another tune so right. uh, or 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 maybe like the the pop isn't there for the general public on a song that you like but but we got a pretty high batting average you know i think we've got yeah. a pretty tuned ear for for what we're trying to say and we've had the benefit of the experience of of if we're excited about it and it's something that we believe in, it's probably, there's probably a good bet that most of our people might, might relate to it in the same way. So uh, more, more often than not, we're not, we're right. For sure. And I think you've made some great choices. I, I did want to switch gears just a little bit and, and talk about, uh, you know, I follow you on a lot of your different social media and some that's uh, really intrigued me is when I see you go out on your fishing trips. I mean, is this something where a buddy says, Hey, we got the boat, let's go. Or are you a pretty avid fisherman? and just like to get out there as much as possible yeah both i mean it's it's fun you know that's a that's a real primal primal thing you know <laughs> yeah. to take back take take you take you back to the days of jesus man like right. getting on the boat being a fisherman so right. uh 
you know, I come from the Northwest and, and uh, uh, there's a lot of great outdoors to enjoy there and uh, uh, had a, had a pretty good year. I caught some nice Kings and some nice cohos this yeah. year. And, uh, and every, I tried to try to get down to Cabo uh, every year or two when I can to hang out with my buddy, Sammy Hagar for his birthday. I, I haven't been able to do it the last couple of years and, and do some, uh, some Marlin and Wahoo fishing. I can only imagine what it's like fishing with Sammy Hagar. Yeah, he doesn't go on the boat, but he eats the fish that I catch. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's always happy when I come down because he knows I'm going to bust some food. You're right. I want to bring some food for the guys at the club to cook up. Here comes yeah. Jerry with the dinner. I love it. Uh, <laughs> Did you get some Wahoo, man? Did you get some Wahoo? Yeah, dude, I got it. It's like awesome. <laughs> well, I, I love the uh, list of tour dates you've got uh, so far for 2022. Uh, looks like I'll be driving down the road just a bit to catch the show in San Antonio from Austin. But uh, have you uh, have you got the touring band lined up? Because uh, as we mentioned, I'd love to see your, your friend Duff on the road with you if he's available. But uh, I was just kind of curious if you've started putting the touring band together yet. I've had some conversations with some of the guys and, and, you know, as if you look at the record, it's, it, it's full of some pretty significant uh, musicians who oh, have yeah. their own thing going. So, yeah. so, uh, I'm, I'm not, I, I definitely won't be able to have everybody. Um, uh, but I would love it if Duff would pop up. Uh, but, uh, I have talked with Greg and, and, uh, Gil and, and even Tyler about okay. maybe doing, doing a, at least a, a portion of some of the shows. So, so I, I think, uh, I think as we get a little closer to it, uh, we'll see who's available, you know, and, uh, uh, Maybe, maybe that, maybe between the holes and their own commitments for their own bands, we might be able to get some folks to pop up. So, but yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure uh, whoever the touring band is is going to be a really fun bunch of guys, and and uh, uh, and and maybe gal too. Who knows? Uh, uh, but uh, uh, we'll uh, we'll see we'll we'll see what it is when when we when we throw. I guarantee it'll be good one way or another. Yeah, for sure. Uh, final question here. Since we talked about a tone, we talked about Brighton and Goodbye. Is there one more song on the album we could play, say, as an artist pick that uh, that kind of stands out to you? Uh, and tell me if if there is uh, why you chose it. Yeah, uh, there's two actually, but but I'll but I'll pick this one. Prism of Doubt, I think, is a is a song that uh, it's a big exhale to me. On the downbeat of that song, I just kind of it makes me just want to exhale and smile. It just got a, such a cool feel to it, man. And and uh, you know, it just makes me makes me want to get in the vet and drive down the coast, you know, while I'm <laughs> cranking that tune. And uh, uh, you know, it's. Uh, it's just it's it's a song I think that's got some legs, you know. Well, thank you so much for being on the Rock Thirty today. The album Brighton is now available. Catch Jerry Cantrell twenty twenty two if he's coming through your city, and I'll definitely uh, make it down to San Antonio to see you in person, man. And uh, thanks again for being on the Rock Thirty as always. Awesome, thanks for having me on, man, and I appreciate you playing the tunes and listening. <laughs> 